Hello there, I'm Mario, the Artisan Rogue, and this is Radio 74. This weekend, on Saturday, I went to Planet Comic Con here in Kansas City. It's been quite a few years since I'd gone. Some of that, just to give you guys a little bit of a backstory on it, is because the last... And I'm going to be completely open and honest with this. In fact, I was talking to a buddy of mine there at the show about my last experiences. So I think the last show that I did might have been, oh God, about four or five years ago. That, the, the, the year prior to the last time I did it, when I did Artist Alley and you know paid for my table and did all that stuff, I didn't make that much money. I did okay, but it was enough that with the you know the cost of materials, the art, the effort, the time spent, all of that sort of stuff, it didn't really pan out for me. Now, I'm going to get back to why my mind has changed a little bit on that here in just a bit, but I'm going to hit a couple of different notes on this and hopefully be able to keep this entire thing pretty concise for you guys. And so after that, I thought, you know what, I'm going to just keep recording and keep track of this in some sort of video format and i have lots and lots of hours of video and entries and things personal notes that i wrote that i had at one point in time had an idea about releasing as sort of a retrospective on my time doing conventions and it's still very much something that's on the back burner that i'd like to get to just to complete it um but it's always a challenge for me to work with you know media that's a little dated and try and put it into context in a modern package and represent it that way. But I'm, dig I'm digressing here. So that happened. I thought, you know what? I'm going to give it another shot. You know, this was probably just a little bit of a downer year, not a real big deal. And so the next year, you know, comes along and pay my money, try to pay early this time to save some, you know, some cash on the overall table charge. I get in there. And so, I set up and I remember, you know, I remember being really excited about it, you know, just over the top, full of energy, just, yeah, let's freaking get this right. Let's do this. And, you know, I, and I, I totally get it when everyone is like that, you know, because I'm no stranger to that. You hope for the best. You're, you know, hoping to, to what's the, what's the, the baseball metaphor, uh, swing for the fences, something like that. And, um, that was very much what I wanted to do even without any kind of, you know, sports acclaim on my side. And because of that, I was able to, you know, at least stay positive during the majority of the weekend. Tables there cost in excess, I believe, last I remember, of $200, depending on when you pay for them. I think there's a little bit of a discount from there, and I'm just kind of throwing out that number. This isn't anything that I'm like... You know, going, oh, this is scandalous or anything. No, I'm not. I'm simply saying what a reality is. When you want to do shows, shows will cost you money sometimes. A lot of times. In fact, even if it's a quote-unquote free show where you just go, they give you the table or the space, and you set up, you are still costing yourself money, creative time, uh, endeavor time, taking your stuff with you and putting it out there. All that stuff is actually something that you can add against your business expense, you know, it, on the whole presentation and being there. But a lot of people tend to say, well, as long as I make table or I do this sort of thing, which means you're just making back whatever you paid for your table or your booth or whatever. So if it was, if it was $50 and you made a hundred bucks, well, then you consider the show a success. But is it really considering all the work and preparation and time that it took to get ready for it? So that was something that's always been in the back of my mind. And I never took it as seriously early on when I first started because 
Unfortunately, I treated this very much like a hobby and not like a true second or really the primary source of income that I wanted to celebrate and grow. And that was a big lesson that I learned. And this has only come to light in the last couple of years when I was, you know, just I had a self-defeatist attitude and all these other negative connotations that would just bring me down. And I'd wonder like, well, there's got to be something wrong with this show. There's got to be something wrong here. And the reason that I was that way was because, and again, this is not on Planet Comic Con at all. What happened was the last year that I did the show, I finally, when I was talking to my buddy uh, at, at Planet just on Saturday, I wanted to go back and see if I could find the exact amount that I made. And I remember I was still entering everything into Square, you know, taking uh, payments through there. I believe I made $51.34. There may have been some cash interactions, but I don't think it was very much. I would be pretty accurate, I think, in saying that I made about a hundred bucks that weekend total. Now, I also had to eat. I also had to do a lot of other stuff, like just like pay for gas to get there, things like that. Little things that come out and sort of dull the experience. And I was upset. I was angry. I was certain that the show had changed and it wasn't just this show. It was a lot of other shows I'd been doing that I just wasn't really hitting my stride. Thankfully for most years, I've had at least one or two shows that have bolstered me and kept me afloat. And I've found something of an audience in that. And, uh, but I certainly had my doubts and never mind the fact that during this time I was going from, you know, pen and ink to digital and back and forth and sending mixed messages on what my final product would look like. It was just a, it was just a mess. And a lot of this finally, this is one of the reasons why I am a huge advocate for anybody, anybody and everybody vlog, blog, journal, take photographs, videotape how you feel that day. It is absolutely amazing what you learn talking to your past self, listening to your past self. And I say talking to your past self because even when I watch some videos of myself talking immediately, like like the moment that you're like, like taking that. In fact, um, uh, my buddy Terry from 1313 Mockingbird, he posted a video, which is really pretty cool, because like, you rarely get to see the side of people leaving the show and doing loadout. And, you know... It, it was so crazy because in my mind, I'm thinking about that walk. And I think for everybody, it's different. It's usually quiet because, you know, everyone's tired. They're worn out from the weekend, whatever the case is. Today was especially just muggy and hot. And so I remembered the last time that I did it and I was walking out thinking this was complete and total BS. Why didn't I make more money? What happened? What's wrong with this show? Is it changing? Is it me? Is it all these other things? But I, I didn't really want to admit that maybe this was something of my own doing. And I think there was a lot of different variables that played into that. Things that other artists probably think about whenever they have a show that's either good or bad or in or mediocre or whatever. So as I'm reflecting back on that, I watched some of these videos of myself. And in one of them, I was being brutally honest with myself, like, Dude, you've got to you've got to pick a direction. You've got to pick a zone. You've got to get your stories published. You want to do this, right? You don't want to just keep getting a year older, coming back to the show, and then you know sitting here behind the booth and just hoping and praying that someone's going to come along and discover your stuff and want to, you know, want to buy it. And it just seems like such a random gunshot kind of way to approach it. So this year allowed me to have a very unique perspective. I don't go 
to shows. I always pay for a booth. I'd gotten into that habit after the first few little shows I went to years ago. There was something compelling and interesting and really, really satisfying, especially after the first couple times doing it, of sitting behind a table and being able to talk to other artists around me, get to know people, introduce myself, and be able to really showcase my stuff. Now, it's been a wild road. It's roller coaster like from the start till now. I've worked really hard to make sure that my booth presentation, the overall appearance, everything is top notch. I've worked really hard to make sure that the artwork I create is presented in the best possible way. And over the years, I've also tried my best to understand a lot of different fandoms and learn from the people I talk to because I genuinely do like talking to people. But this time I had a different aspect. Um, I went with my brother to Planet this Saturday and we got there early and the funniest part about it was over the years, I've always been used to going in a certain direction at Planet at Bartle Hall. And I went up these one stairs thinking, oh, we can probably get through here. And I thought, oh, my God, we don't have any bands. I, we can't go this way. Right. And so we had to walk all the way around to the front. And uh, one of the challenges of Planet Comic Con is that Kansas City in general has terrible parking. It is horrible. If you're lucky and you get there early in the day, you can go down to some of the other areas and find free parking. It just takes a little bit of knowledge. Now, a lot of these areas I knew about whenever I used to work downtown and where people would park, where I would have to park sometimes during special events because the garages will charge you anywhere between $20 to $40 to park for the day, which is ridiculous. You would think with all that money coming in, Kansas City could you know, build some specialized parking lots for large events, but that's a whole nother issue. So we park, we go in and and well, before we go in, we're a little confused as to where we're going in. And I was like, I don't, even, I don't even remember how to get into Bartle Hall because I'm always used to coming in the back way, like the load-in docks and stuff and coming across there with my badge. And uh, <laughs> it was such a strange feeling. Guys, I'm not going to joke. I was like angry at the, at the hills and the walking. I was like, God, why is gravity, you know, winning again? And I was just mad about it. But... Yeah, I was happy to be there with my brother. It was it was a chill day. It was cool, and um, so we we get there, and we finally find the entrance. It's like we were all the people that are in cosplay and stuff are going to and everything, and um, and immediately I could feel that like there was a kind of a different vibe. Now I was attributing that to the fact that when I got there, it was because I was going as an attendee. I wasn't. I didn't have a booth. I didn't have my artwork with me. Right. Even out of habit, I brought my business cards with me. And I still had, I had one of my 80s Days Gone By shirts on to kind of promote that account and that whole line. And there was a lot of stuff running through my head at that point. So we get inside and the, the tickets were at Will Call. We get our little sparkly green bands, which I'm going to add to my pile of uh, show badges. And that was really cool. So I was like, oh, wow, so this is interesting. And... I didn't, I didn't get a chance to photograph or record near as much as I would have liked. And I'll get to that here in a second. Normally when I do a booth, I can say, hey, I'd like to stop this person for like a photograph of their wonderful cosplay. Or, you know, if I'm talking to somebody, I can, you know, take the moment to film something or film bits of the show. And I know I have somewhere to go back and sit down and get a little bit of a rest and just enjoy, enjoy the show, you know, just enjoy it for what it's worth. So at the moment we get in there, I'm like, okay, there's a, there's a lot of people in here, but there was still this odd feeling. And I described it to another buddy of mine here uh, 
just earlier today that it felt like attending an event at work but not knowing anybody who was there. Like you all are part of the same company, but you don't know anyone. Like nobody that would sit around you in familiar cubicles or even on your freaking floor. Like it was just like, well, I, I know these are people like, okay, that's a Doctor Who fan. There's a Stormtrooper. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a robot guy. There's some anime character I don't know. So it was very odd because, you know, enough time had gone by that I, it felt like it was brand new and it really was. So I got in, you know, brothers with me we're walking down this long row which we have to walk all the way down and then come back around i recorded the whole thing just showing all the people everyone's holding up their arms showing off their armbands to the volunteers that are there and we're just being kind of funneled down this one way and then back up to go up these one escalators and i you know video the whole thing we get up in there and um i and it's interesting because me and my brother have two different ways of doing this he, he very much was at first kind of confused by the whole thing but once you do enough shows and especially i had done other shows like car shows and stuff like that at bartle hall it's just a giant rectangle you know and once you kind of know okay down on this far end is going to be like the clubs and the gi joe guys and you know the specialty stuff and things like that and then on the far other side is going to be all the autograph stuff and the stars and the media people and all that other stuff and right in the middle will be a just a big melting pot of maker booths artist booths, vendor booths, and then other stuff, information booths, and probably the same guy from Rebath that always shows up and tries to sell you on an upgrade for your bathroom. So we get up there, and um, the first thing we come to is a booth. It's a corner booth that has uh, the Bucky O'Hare action figures from Boss Fight, which if you're into toys, you got to check that line out. I am a big Bucky O'Hare fan, but I collect enough stuff that I'm like, I got to hold off. You know, I, I just can't do this. But it was a nice thing to find that because we took a look at that first booth that had toys in it. And um, immediately, I believe right next to that was where 1313 Mockingbird was. We stopped in there and we talked to them for a while. That was great. Just started talking toys. Got me hyped. I was like, you know, I'm here. I'm finally back in my zone, right? Now, the nice thing is 99.9% .9 of people were wearing masks. They had sanitizer on them. There was sanitizer at some booths. There was a lot of that positivity going on because of this whole COVID thing. And it was refreshing and nice to have that little bit of anxiety just kind of shuffled over to the side. I'm like, okay, the majority of people are taking this seriously. Now, after we end up talking about toys and stuff like that for a while, we, we make our way around and we start walking around and immediately, I wouldn't, well, I wouldn't say immediately, I'd say within the first three to five minutes or so walking around. I kept getting this overwhelming feeling like, hey, dude, you got to get back to your booth. And I don't have a booth. I didn't have a booth, right? But it was because I have never really attended a show, as I said, like this. So we're walking around and we're checking out all the vendor booths. Now, what we did first, we started right in the center and went up and down. And we ha and I kind of mapped out the whole thing we're going to be doing just by visual acuity. Like, okay, we're going to hit these vendors. We're going to come across here and hit these. And then we're eventually going to try and make it over to the other side where the artists are and zigzag that. We should have done this in reverse because I think it would have taken us far less time to get through the artist area. And unfortunately, I did not see a good half of the people that I really wanted to go see. There was a ton of them, Dorky Dino, Ed Labelly, just a ton of people that I just didn't get a chance to see. But it was also weird because other buddies of mine from out of town, um, they weren't there at the show. So like, there was like a weird zone of like, this is normally where these guys are. And well, where are these people? Are they okay? And it was this maelstrom of thought and emotion that was going through my head. Like, yeah, the show is back. 
But why does it feel so different? Aside from the very obvious fact that everyone's wearing masks and everyone's there, just, you know, like there, there was definitely a pall that hung over the show. And this wasn't because of the show, okay? This really wasn't. But there was like an edginess and like a, an, like I wouldn't say an insecurity aspect, but like just a, it was like tenuous. It, it was like just this, uh, this just, I, I would almost say nervous feeling, but I, I don't want to project how I was feeling onto other people because plenty of people were having fun. And I certainly had fun. So as we're making our way around, we spoke to people at the G.I. Joe booth. We checked out the arcade area. Um, we took in a few other sites and, you know, bought some stuff here and there. I got some great retro stuff uh, for the toy nerds that are listening to this. I picked up a Wheeled Warriors vehicle, a RoboForce vehicle, uh, a robot character, an, a Stariori I've been looking for, a couple of Gundam pieces, and a classic Kenner Aliens toy. And uh, that was fantastic. That was great. And, and I took my time. You know, I, I took my time looking around, seeing what I could get, seeing what I could find. And I didn't feel really compelled. I, for the first time in a long time, not being inundated by like the idea that I had a lot to cover by having a table and trying to make not just my booth, but make a profit. And because thankfully, knock on wood, you know, <laughs> everything's been okay with my freelance so far. And I had a little bit of money that I could actually spend. And so it was interesting to see how was I going to react now, for anyone that knows me, anytime I am participating in a show, I am obsessed with things like what is the pattern of the crowd? What is the demographic of the crowd? Who's in attendance? What do they look like? And what I mean by that is, are they young? Are they old? Are they um, cosplayers? Are they not? Are they people that are really introverted? Are they extroverted? And that's a very odd thing to look at. But most of it comes from the fact that I, for a long time, have been trying to figure out, like, what is my main audience? And so, I, much to my own chagrin, I've found that to be really hard to pinpoint in some ways. I'm probably just not smart enough to figure this stuff out. But as I'm walking along through a lot of the areas and watching how people were at vendor booths and things like that and asking questions, it seemed like a couple of things were apparent. So the first thing I'm going to bring up is this. I totally understand when people would come to the show and say, I couldn't find your booth. Even though I knew exactly where I was going and what I was doing, if you weren't paying attention, if you if it was your first time at the show, if it was even just a, an off day for you, or you'd stood out too long in the heat or whatever, and you were just tired or just worn out. Yeah, after a while, everything starts to look the same. It's an overwhelming amount of stuff to look at. It doesn't help that I'm not joking. I think... Oh, I don't think it's a lie to say that a good 12 to 14 vendors in particular that come to mind had walls of pop vinyl figures. Now, I personally don't like pop vinyl figures at all. The few I have in my collection are either obscure characters that the IP isn't getting a lot of love in other formats or things like that, or they've been given to me. And I don't go out of my way to buy them. In fact, the only one I've ever done that for was Bean from Disenchantment, the Netflix series from Matt Growing. And that one I have boxed and everything else like that. That was a specific one because there's been no toy releases or anything. No one else has picked up that license to do anything with it. And that's usually the only real exceptions to the rule for me. But it, but it's something to go to a show and see walls of them. You know, you're just like, oh, my God. It, it just seemed like it was so mass produced. And I used to have a lot of respect for Funko. Back in the day when they made, you know, the the very surf-oriented, punk-oriented sort of collectibles that were 
a little bit more rat rod as- aspect or something. They just, there was a different vibe and feel to them in the vinyl world. And now they've become this, you know, mega presence in mass consumable, family friendly toy collecting. And so they're the kind of things that you would not be surprised to, you know, work at a job in a massive corporation going to anywhere from HR to like IT to your your manager's little office bunker and see four or five of these pop vinyls up on there. But because of that, that was just the first layer of this feeling that I was getting that I've heard other people that have attended shows tell me, but now I was really having it happen to me. So I'm getting past all that. And there's, there's two, two or three booths that are fantastic when it comes to what I'm looking for. I go looking for as a, as a consumer, as a customer, I was able to discover this very much as held true still. I go to comic shows for three things when I do, and I'm, and most of them, since I'm doing them, I go after certain things like this. I like to find artists that I connect with, right? That's the first thing. And then after that, I like to try and buy and support their stuff, pick up their contact information to pick up something later. I did end up picking up one graphic novel. Uh, the guy did a great upsell on it. <laughs> it was really pretty funny. I was going to buy issue one and issue zero from him. He was like, well, you can just pick up the whole graphic novel. And uh, I'll end up doing like a little video review on Instagram or TikTok about it later. But um, the beautiful artwork and everything. I got a sticker and a sign print. It was great. A really nice guy. And um, and I like picking up stuff like that because I, I don't want a lot of other stuff. I mean, I in my... In my studio here, I have a lot of things that are official Nintendo, official Sonic and Sega, uh, Pokemon stuff, other things like that. But these are things I've bought, I've used, I've gamed with, I've played, you know, whatever. And I have more than enough of that stuff. So I have very little interest in that sort of thing unless it's specifically something that is completing a collection or fills a niche of something that I really want. Or it's unusual or rare, okay? So there's certain dynamics. I'm at that age in collecting where I'm like, you know, I don't, I really don't have room and I don't need that much more stuff. So in that turn, I end up looking for people that create in indie publications or unique visions of art that aren't, you know, necessarily writing on another IP. And I'm not coming down on anyone else that does that. It's just me as a creator and as somebody who wants to find new things and, and see and support artists for the originality that they're putting out there. I'm absolutely going to jump in on, on, into that first. The other thing I found was that I, um, I tend to be a pretty damn picky shopper. I mean, I wasn't, I'm not going to, I'm not bragging on this. I mean, I had enough that it, you know, there was a few things other, a few other things I probably could have picked up. And, uh, but, but I, there was a lot of times I found myself talking myself out of them, you know, like, well, you know what? Okay. Hold off on this because maybe there's something else you're going to find and some other things. And there are two items that I left at the show that I was like, ah, wish I would have picked them up, but I couldn't, I just could not bring myself to, to justify spending that amount of money right now. And, uh, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. So, but I did notice that there was a lot of people that seemed to be almost selective and almost on that, on that, within the hour, there was a post online that I had seen from one of my friends who was stating something similar saying, you know, yeah, the crowds are okay, but I'm noticing that they're selective in how they're buying. So there is a true heartbeat to the way that a crowd moves. It's much more prevalent in larger shows at smaller shows, like, you know, shows that maybe are like under 500 people, right? You'll notice that there's a small ebb and flow. There's a, there's like a, like almost in restaurant talk, there's like a rush moment. And then after that, it's kind of just like people meandering around talking and doing that sort of stuff. And I love those smaller shows for that reason. Cause you really get, 
that moment to be able to talk to people, draw, talk, catch up with other artists, all that sort of thing. And th and those are the last true bastion of creator-focused comic shows. Thankfully, there's a couple of them in this area that are really good, Free State being my favorite one. And because of that, like it's really interesting to me how in a bigger show, you'll see where in Artist Alley, there'll be zones that I call just dead zones because they are. You'll see where maybe there's a few people kind of coming in and out of them, but there'll be some reason that maybe they're just not going down that particular aisle. Maybe there's, you know, like where Artist Alley was set up, maybe there were some artists down at the end cap of it that were opposite of that particular alleyway that were the famous artists. So people are kind of like crunked up down at the end of it. But a lot of the other artists weren't getting exposure. But then you could go one over and that entire aisle would have been crammed full of people. So I don't know if it was something where you had people that came together, friends that hadn't seen each other in a long time. They're just meandering together. So you had these groups of 15 to 20 people sometimes. And then you had small groups that were two to four people that were wandering around together, kind of making their way around. And I asked a lot of the people I knew there, friends and former coworkers and other people that I knew, you know, that I've known for quite a while and we've all done shows together. So, you know, I don't know about those of you that do shows, but you do tend to go up and ask people. And I'm thankfully at the point where I can be fairly honest with people. In fact, I've always been very honest about what I do and do not make at shows. I just get frowned down upon by other people on it. But um, I ask only because I'm like hoping that it's gone good for them. And, you know, I think almost everybody had the same general consensus that the show was odd. And I detected the same sort of thing. Only... This time, I wasn't behind the booth, as I said, right? So I was out there walking around. And I was part of this issue, right? I was being selective. There was a few things I just bypassed. I'm like, yeah, no, you know what? That's fine. Or I'd check, or I would pull up my phone and I would check eBay and go, <laughs> this is a ripoff. And I wouldn't pay I wouldn't pay for it at the show. I just, no, I'm not going to do it, right? And then um, you move on from there. And, and the more people I talked to, a lot of them were like, you know, it just seems like people are being a little more careful in their spending or, you know, it just seemed a bit more sparse. Like it wasn't the same energy and vibe and feel as it had been in years past. Now, granted, I knew a lot of creators that opted to bow out this year. And even though they had a credit from two years ago to push over into this year's show, they didn't want to do it. Or they just were like, no, just give me a refund. And I can understand that. I mean, with COVID being out there and all these other things, uh, you know, probably attributing to the fact that the, the crowd had a, a very odd energy to it. And in, when I say that, I still want to, I want to put the stipulation that in no way, shape or form am I criticizing the show. I'm just painting out what I observed, which was very much a, an audience that seemed, if not on the edge, just a little bit like, wow, this is new. It's just, it just was a different feeling. And I very much was in that zone with them. But it was interesting to me to see it from the side of a creator who was now attending a show and not even volunteering, not doing anything, just being at the show and shopping and trying to buy stuff and trying to meet up with people I'd known, you know. And so then it went on where as the day wore on, they, you know, there was some options to eat inside and uh, some options to eat outside. So we went to go check out the food trucks. The food trucks were great. Um, we ended up picking the one that was probably the slowest one out there because I think everybody else and all the other lines got through two times before we ever got to the front. And it was just like, it was called Hamdingers or something. They just basically sold like basic cafe food, like hamburgers and hot dogs and that sort of thing. Uh, 
And, and it was fine food. I, I didn't mind it at all. We sat outside near the wall where there was a little bit of overhang of shade because there was a, there was a white tent that was set up with no walls and massive round Knights of the Round Table kind of tables, right? And like six to eight chairs per side, you know, all the way around. Well, there's only one side on a circle, isn't there? Look at how bad I feel fucking geometry in school. And so <laughs> there's all of that there. And then... Um, but there's not that much room between the tables because they, they, they chose to cram as many tables as they could underneath this tent. They, they could have pulled one table out and given everyone just a little bit more space because to me, I'm like, well, that defeats the whole purpose. And my brother was like, no, we're sitting over here. And there was this wall with this little, like almost stone bench like zone. And we just sat there. So it was like wedged right in the corner between the barbecue place and, and the, the barbecue truck and then Hamdingers. And so we just sat there and we ate and, uh, it was hot. I'm not gonna lie. It was hot. It was sweaty. And, uh, after a burger and downing a, uh, you know, a 60 ounce bottle of water, we went back inside and, uh, finished up the rest of our walking around. And, you know, by that time we were finished with the vendor side and we were like, okay, we're going to get started on the artist alley side. Well, we walked on the way down, realized we had missed a few of the vendors pocketed in there in the middle somewhere i don't even know how we did it and i then i had to think back i'm like oh yeah because it was groups of people i don't want to walk through them there was just like a bunch of things like that going on so we slow but we're, we were definitely walking slower by that point my feet were like i hate you and i just I, there was nothing i could do about it i, I was like god damn it like it's just old age and just heat and fatigue and i'm carrying a backpack full of toys it was just it was crazy and it was a hell of a lot of fun, but I was, I was definitely tired. I was wearing out. I, I just, I can't go to the second round anymore. And so I, we were walking on the way down. We get back down to where the arcade and GI Joe group was and we start turning around to come back up that other area. And we ended up in some great conversations with people. Time just started floating by and we had to leave by right around four thirty, five o'clock. And so by this time, it's already getting to be about three fifteen. And all of a sudden, time is speeding up. Now, I did notice also that about this time, as I'm checking out the artist alley, there were pockets, again, that I said were pretty empty and pretty chill. And then there were some areas that were really, really hopping. And all along the wall, it seemed like people were pretty busy. They were really into things and all this other stuff. And all along the way, I, you know, anyone I came across, I was trying to promote the show on Instagram and other things like that because I thought, you know what, the least I can do is that. And... Then it hit me at that point in time that maybe that's something I also hadn't done in the past because I, I always lamented the fact that whenever I was doing these shows, I rarely posted to social media as much as I should have. I didn't understand hashtags as well. There was a lot of things I just did wrong. But thankfully, as I'm going along, I don't, well, thankfully, what, <laughs> keep hitting puberty or something. Thankfully, as I was going along, I had a lot of ideas kind of birth themselves in my brain. Where I thought, you know what? Now you have a checklist of things to do. You've done shows long enough. And then you've had this, well, fairly involuntary absence from shows. Because shows weren't around. To see what it was like. You know, to to be without a show for a long time. And then come back into it, not as a vendor, but as an attendee. And honestly, I didn't even have a plan to come to this. My brother had wanted to go to the show. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go with you. And it was like I said, fun and great and everything. But I have NakaCon here in, what, 13, 14 days? So it's Labor Day weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which I am looking forward to. And it was good to get in there and see this because I think NakaCon's only going to have a couple thousand people, maybe three to 4,000 
people. I don't know what the ticket sale finals were. I know they kept selling out. I don't know if anything's changed and they're going to allow people to come in off, you know, tickets bought on site. I have no idea what their plan is, but I know that it's limited. So in that action, thankfully the vendors were getting, if they decided to go ahead and do a show this year and not roll it over to 2022, they were going to get refunds, partial refunds. I think it was up to 50%, like half our booth fee. So that made it even better for me where I thought, well, no, okay, then I'd be kind of a fool not to give it a shot now and support a show that with the exception of one year over the past, like eight, nine years. Oh my God. Has it been 10 years? I have done almost every single NACACon with the sole exception of one weekend where Planet fell on the same weekend as NACACon. And it was crazy enough that I probably could have done NACACon and done better. So we're getting through some. And at one point, you know, my brother's like, you know, dude, we're running close to time. We got to go. I'm like, you know what? That's a fair point. We still got to walk all the way back to the vehicle. And uh, that that was okay. But we got out of there and then. We ended up grabbing a bite to eat and, you know, getting home. And it was a lot of fun. After that, though, I started looking around online, just kind of seeing what the reciprocal was for some things. And there were definitely, definitely some outspoken people about how good the show was. And then there was a few people that, you know, were tenable. You know, they were just like, if not outright upset, just not as happy with the experience as it could have been. Again, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And regardless of what you may feel about it, this is a worldwide factor. This is an event that is affecting a lot of people and it is a health scare. It is a real true health issue. And because of that, things are going to be different. They were different enough that for two years we didn't have shows. So this is still a completely crazy advent that we even had a show this year. And I'm just glad that for the most part, people were still very respectful and very good to one another. But I think people's wallets felt it. And because we don't know what the coming months will, will you know, bring for us, I do worry about future shows. There's a couple shows that I'm a little reluctant to want to put up on my schedule or plan on because I don't know how this is going to roll out between now and Christmas. I don't. I have no idea. We're careening into October, November, and December. Those are three holidays in specific that, let's be honest, Americans love to get together for things like Halloween. It's become an adult thing. When I used to work security at Power and Light here in Kansas City, oh my God, I'm talking thousands of people coming out and being like, oh, I love Halloween and all this other stuff, right? And I'm like, really? You, you dressed up like like a demon lady, but you're going to make fun of me because I collect G.I. Joes? What is this issue? And then, like, you got Thanksgiving where everyone loves to go and eat and get fat. And then, like, after that, you got Christmas, right? So there's a lot of travel. There's a lot of this going on. And we're we're just sliding right into that. We're not that far away. We're, we're what, 45 days away from that? If that, like really coming into the October season? So I don't know what shows are going to be like at that point. Outdoor in or indoor. But then I started reading online. And there was, I'm going to leave everyone's name out of this, uh, out of the ones I will read. I'll probably only read one or two. But there was one that came up. And I think he's a friend of a friend of a friend. So, okay, well, I didn't even mean to dox that. This individual, ignore that I said him, said, uh, this has been the weirdest Comic-Con I've attended in Kansas City. Maybe it's because I'm older and I've been going to this for X amount of years, but it has been completely overtaken by anime. Cosplay is like 80% anime. Tons of kids with no agenda to support local artists and many celebrity guests are anime voice actors. Is this the direction that cons are going? Now, I... 
I didn't know the person, so I didn't really want to jump on their timeline and start saying anything. But here's my my own take on that. The world of pop culture is continually changing. Star Wars just released an anime-based concept of classic themes from within their universe. Reimagined as such, right? And there's always been some cross... I hate to use the word like this, but cross-contamination, cross-pollination, that's better. Because it's not contamination. I'm sitting here from a uh, from an LED light-up acrylic uh, diagram of a Veritech fighter from Robotech, which I got from 1313 Mockingbird Lane. And... Uh, that was one of the first animes I really got into. Now, I would watch other ones like Astro Boy and, and uh, Tetsugan and things like that when I was younger and living in Italy. But when I came here to America, the, the first swings of anime were already happening. And there's been a lot of shows influenced by anime. In fact, most modern American IPs from the 80s onward have reincarnated themselves in some way to have some anime-esque, American anime-esque sort of concepts to them just even in the last 15 years. So, it's kind of weird to read a comment like this because to me it's like no, I actually do believe that there's quite a bit of quote-unquote kids that do support independent things. One of the reasons why I liked Nakacon so much was because I found this niche wild little audience of people that was like Oh, thank God this isn't just Captain America or Zelda or or Super Mario Brothers or just the same old stuff over and over again. You're actually doing something new and unique. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't people in... And this is where things and labels can get really stupid. But there's always been this weird divide where you have like, Oh, these are the anime people and these are the people like into Marvel and DC and then these are the people that are like in Doctor Who or whatever. I, I don't have a lot of uh, love for any of that. I, I just don't. I think that you can be a fan of a great many things, and I certainly am. I love a lot of different things from Lord of the Rings to a small interest in Doctor Who to things like Warhammer and miniature painting to uh, collecting Legos and stuff. And it's just all over the board with me, right? I think you can be a fan of any one of those things and be perfectly fine. And um, so when I read something like this... I get there's a couple things I'll give this individual. Yes, it was a weird Comic Con. Yes, I was seeing a proliferation of a lot of things. And thematically, this is a nice way to segue into this. And again, this is probably going to call some people out, but I'm not trying to do that. I'm simply stating something I was noticing as an artist who was in attendance. When the hell did printing on metal become this mass production thing that people want to charge a lot of money for? Now, I'm going to lead into this by saying you can charge whatever you want for your artwork. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nothing wrong with that. Right? If you got the audience that wants to buy it, fantastic. But I do believe this. If you have paper prints that are sitting at like, maybe it's an um, you know, 11 by 14 paper print, and you've got it priced at 35 to $45, but then you go to the exact same size on metal, and you have it priced for 75 to 145 exact same image, I, I, have a, I have a struggle to understand that. I saw prices all over the place at this show. And looking back at some of the videos I took, looking when I was, you know, as, a, as somebody who sells art, I want to see what people are picking up. A lot of people were picking up smaller things. $5 items, $6 items, $10 items. 
there was a lot of bigger stuff selling, but not oh, not anywhere near the rapidity of the smaller stuff. In fact, I think that was the one thing I also saw with the toy and collectible vendors, where they weren't really moving the big stuff as much. As much. They were moving a lot of smaller things, and some of those things were pretty expensive, like two of the things I picked up were a little more high dollar. But I think that there's a discussion that often comes up in some of the artist groups I belong to as to the unity of pricing worth and overall ideology of how we ascertain what art is worth to the general masses. This is something I've always struggled with because like a lot of people who will suffer from things like depression, imposter syndrome, whatever, I will often underprice myself. In fact, I'm getting so serious. I'm going to fold my glasses, put them here on the table so I can get real with you guys. And it took me years to really get my stuff up to a point to where I felt like, okay, this artwork is worth it. I don't undercharge for my design services. I, I do pretty well there because I understand what I'm doing. Even when I have new challenges that I have no idea what I'm doing, I still charge this specific amount. And when I'm doing my art, I always tend to undersell myself. I tend to underrepresent myself. I don't tend to promote it as much. And there's a lot of things in there that I do wrong. And that's all on me. I'm not blaming anyone else for that. So I think I'm just maybe caught a bit off guard by that, but more so the, the price point of that suddenly made me realize that it seemed like every third artist was printing on metal. Like that was the new thing. And if it wasn't that, I think everybody that was in the maker area, I, I not even joking. It seemed like every row had at least two people that had suddenly stumbled upon a Glowforge. There was more, leather and wood cut stuff than I have ever seen at a show. And I'm talking, I used to go to Santa Caligon, which was like kind of a weird crafters artisan show here in Independence, Missouri. And I was just like, Oh my God, like this is a lot of coasters and a lot of books. And a lot, I mean, it was just sort of repetitious. It was the same thing over and over again. And then you had the, um, the arrival of a lot of people that were just the print guys. Right. So you have, they, you had like scaffolding that looked like it should be wrapping around the Empire State Building. And it was something like 20 feet worth of like just prints that went up. Like the PVC defying physics laws holding together at this sharp angle to hold this giant thing up of like, I have drawn everything under the sun in 50 billion different ways. And it's all like the coolest, baddest dudes in the world and all the hottest chicks. And that's what this was. And there was like nine or ten of those dudes. Everything started looking the same to me. And, and I could see the variations. I'm not knocking these people, but I can get where your average person that comes to a show looks at and goes, I have no goddamn clue where I am. I, th I swear to God that I passed this guy that is extremely proficient in procreate and has all of this artwork. But then again, there's one right down here and he has the exact same stuff. And so... The diamonds in the rough were hidden. The people, the, the traditionalist artists, the other people, not that they were any better or worse, but it was just crazy how lost they were in there. There was one young lady, and I had a lot of respect for her. She was on one corner, and I almost stopped by to say something, but we were running late, and I'm really regretting that I didn't stop by to say hello and maybe give her some words of encouragement. But she didn't look downtrodden. She just kept working on her artwork. I noticed that she was sitting there with a simple little backdrop. It looked like a, a photograph uh, backing bit of hardware with some fabric and then eight and a half by 11 sheets of printer paper 
with sketches and a giant signature on each one pinned up on there. And then she had a bunch of stack of clear paper next to her, you know, just blank eight and a half by 11 sheets. And she was just drawing and working with her Copic. She had big, big containers full of Copic markers. And there was something about seeing that that reminded me of me whenever I did my first few shows, the very first time I did Planet, in fact. And there wasn't anybody at her table. There wasn't anyone talking to her. I don't, I don't know if she made any sales. I hope she did. But she was so determined. And for a moment when she looked up, she was smiling at everyone that walked by. And she had this just incredibly cool energy that was coming from her. And again, I lament not having stopped by and talked, you know, talked to her just to say hi, just to see what she was doing. Because sure, her artwork was, you know, what we all start with. But it was good. It was really good. But I was more impressed by her presence, by her whole foundation of who she was sitting there among other professionals doing her best. And that made me feel really good about the show. Because I can't say that this is something that, you know, like where she was juried in or anything. That's not this kind of show. But the fact that she had this ability to be able to, you know, get a booth, whether she paid for it or it was a gift or somebody, whatever, however that came about, doesn't matter. The fact that she was there and drawing and drawing and drawing. We, I, I know this because we passed by a second time and she was still drawing. Even when other people were in the alley talking to other people, she's still just sitting there with a smile on her face drawing. I'd like to think that she kept that positivity all through the show and she just kept marching on and kept drawing. And then by next time, you know, in April, when the show comes back in 2022, if everything works out, okay, that she'll be even further along in her career and her efforts and she'll have better stuff. And that made me feel really good. And this is when we were heading on the way out over to the escalators and, um, my God, I'm going on 45 minutes. This is going to be an hour. (laughs) Sorry, guys, I've talked so long. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, I, this is going to be an interesting way to look at this because now having sat or not or walked around, not sat, I didn't sit at all, really, except for during lunch, having walked around and kind of experienced this as a vent, as not a vendor, but as a just a, a patron, a customer, um, it, it's it was definitely something that got me thinking about a lot more of how I am at a show and what I'm doing. And I'm glad I went. Not just because I was able to catch up with people and talk to people and see things and do things without having to worry about running back and missing out on a sale. It also made me feel good about being able to be around people again and have some, it's so weird to say a level of normalcy because it's still masked. There's still issues. There's still this whole health factor coming in, but at least it was getting a little bit closer. Even if we managed to shoehorn this in together. And yes, there were some other issues. People had problems with the fact that uh, there's one person in particular has been very vocal on Planet's website or on their Facebook page about the photo ops and how much money they cost and the plexiglass barrier being in between a lot of things like that. You know, I get it. I understand. But money does not override the factor of respect for other people's health or anything else like that. But I can understand the frustration. I can understand if maybe refunds weren't offered or there was no ability to change it. I get it. It wasn't perfect for everybody. There's a few people I talked to that I'm, I'm not going to name who said that, you know, the show was hard for them. And after two years of waiting, it wasn't worth coming back because of the financial, you know, the financial, financial strain it put upon them. 
Um, but that was one aspect of it. They were also very vocal about being happy to be back in a show and be able to see something that made them feel, you know, for the lack of a better term, alive. Because that's certainly how the hell I felt. And it was just, I didn't realize how much I'd miss it. I mean, I did and I didn't. Every single time I go back and I look at all these old videos from past shows I'd done, shows that don't even exist anymore, like KCCC and Spectrum, I just miss it. You know, it's a part of my DNA to do that stuff. And I can imagine people that go to rodeos, people that go to softball games, whatever. They want that back. You know, I I totally get it. Anyway, thanks for listening to me, guys, for about 50 minutes now. This is my longest episode I've done in quite a while. But it was a lot of fun. I wish I had taken more video and stuff when I was there. I just didn't think about it. I was trying to be so careful about personal space and all these other things. I just didn't have the, the, the mental capacity to pull it all together and do what I needed to do. There is a small clip on TikTok. If you follow me on there, you can go to the artist at, at the artist and rogue. Yeah, that's my account on there. You can check that out. It's just a small clip talking about what I saw. We walked down the long, that long line of people that are coming in. So who knows? You might actually spot yourself in there if you were there on Saturday early and a, a small shot from internal, but that's about it. There's a few other videos I have and some other things that I, were okay. They weren't anything great. I think most of it was that my mind just kept lingering on how different everything felt at the same time that it was oddly familiar because it just felt different, you know? So thanks again for listening so much, guys. I appreciate it. If you made it out to Planet Comic Con this weekend, I hope you guys had fun. If you didn't and you're going to try and swing back out there in 2022, let's hope for the best for that year. I really would love to see shows coming back again. I don't know what the economy will be like for a lot of us though, because something, and I'm going to end on this, although this is a little bit of a sad note to end on. It is a real note. It was weird to see creators and vendors that I was used to seeing at the show. Just not there. It was very odd. It was very, very odd. And no joke. There was some of them that I was like, I wonder what happened or where they are. Are they at home? Are they just did, you know, was it something else? And that put me in a really introspective and really thoughtful mood for the rest of the day. Even when I got home um, and I started cleaning the the collectibles I bought, you know, I was putting them together and, and everything. And, you know, I collect a lot of retro toys. And so especially the one that I was collecting with that I had a, a RoboForce figure here that uh, I'm holding it right now, in fact. And I was cleaning them up and, uh, you know. It's so weird. And I'm going to end on this note with this thought. When I was younger, a lot of these things that I'm finally able to afford and get and collect now, I I never thought that would happen. You know, I never thought in a million years that there'd be these big shows and places that we could go where you could meet up with other people that were members of the same fandom or would introduce you to new things. Right. Whether it's anime, whether it's Spider-Man, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And you could talk things from animation to collecting to drawing to art tips, whatever, right? Pretty amazing that this is happening. Yes, there's always been conventions, but we live in a day and age now where these things are pretty mainstream and they happen a lot and they will start happening a lot if we can get everything under control. And I'm grateful for that. No show is going to be perfect and no, no two events will ever be alike. Even though, ironically, there's a lot of sameness happening there. 
And I hope for anyone that's listening to this, if you do end up going to shows and stuff like that, the one thought that I want to leave you with is this. It's very, very strange to go to something that I, at least for me, I took it for granted. And then when it was gone, I didn't realize how much it affected me until I stepped right back on that same path. And it was weird, guys. I'm not going to kid you. I was in a much better mood. It was like almost four or five therapy sessions worth of help. Even with all the fear I had, you know, like I'm like, oh, God, am I COVID positive now? But, you know, I wore a mask. I sanitized enough that I'm pretty sure I'm 56% Purell now or whatever. (laughs) It felt like it. So once again, thank you for listening. You can catch me on TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter, and on YouTube at The Artisan Rogue. And you can also check out my website where I have one more update, my last day that I was at Yellowstone, and then another mini update about Planet Comic Con. And then the next thing I'm going to be covering is NakaCon, which is in two weeks. I have a lot to get done, so be expecting a lot more pictures of artwork and other things like that to start filtering in through things, and I will try and record a podcast from NakaCon. We're going to see how that goes, see if I don't end up embarrassing the hell out of myself. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I will catch you in the next episode.